welcome to the Superb Owl Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Senior Editor of The Coalition, Jake James Lugo. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. I really wanted to give a blurb, but it's really hard to articulate. I think it's just a fantastic conversation that we have about games media, failure, and how that leads to success. Superb Owl is a weekly interview podcast seeking to bring to light the importance of failure in the road to success. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Thank you for joining us today. I have Jake James Lugo with me, and he is the senior editor at The Coalition. Uh, Jake James, thank you for joining me today. Um, How's your day been? Uh, It's been good, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. I always love doing podcast stuff and just chatting it up, you know, whether it's gaming or otherwise with people. I I appreciate it. It's a a great pleasure to be here with you to chat, chat it up for a bit. Yeah, I'm honestly really honored to have you on. It's uh, it's been kind of a surreal experience for me. I, I launched this uh, like two weeks ago, and you know, I've gotten a lot of support and a lot of people reaching out, and you've been one of those people, and that's been uh, super heartwarming and really great. So that's cool. I, I kind of just want to jump right jump right into this and and start this conversation. So, um, how long have you been in games media and kind of a, an extension of that? How long have you been specifically the senior editor at the coalition? So for games media, I've been, you know, part of the games industry or just trying to be part of gaming in general for going on about seven years, seven years and change almost. Uh, and again, so give or take a few months here and there, but I, I've been around for a while. And uh, as far as being the senior editor of the coalition, the, being the senior editor part is probably the last couple of years because I started at the coalition with just being a, an associate editor and being that for a very long time. And then we changed it to senior editor because I was there for a bit. I was doing a lot. I've been doing a lot ever since. And uh, hopefully either it changes up its title at some point or I, I end up moving on to another spot. But since then, I've been the senior editor for quite a while. That's that. That's a good amount of time. Hey, seven years in uh, in any industry is, is is impressive, right? I mean, I know myself. Yeah. I've I've kind of job hopped, job hopped around a little, and so it's it's good to hear that there's uh, there's stability out there. I should say that. Uh what is it? It's it's a combination of like starting out on YouTube and then going f- to different websites because I've been in a total now about three different websites. You know, not counting freelance work that I've done for other places. Right, right. But I, I'd say staying within an industry is still really impressive because I know that a lot of people that I've talked to have jumped even within industries in their career yeah. thus far. And so uh, within like even two or three years, it's just it seems like the nature with technology evolving so quickly, industries change so rapidly. So it's really good to hear. Um, I, I guess my first question to you would be what got you into games and specifically what took you from most likely obviously having a very passionate experience and relationship with games to moving to wanting to write and talk and you know produce video content for games so i've been gaming my entire life that that that's literally i'm one of those cheesy almost cliche stories about gamers or or just people that get into gaming where gaming has been a part of the majority i want to say like almost 90 percent of my entire life and the reason being is because my first game was sonic the hedgehog and sega genesis you know i was very young when i played it i want to say between four and five years old give or take and it's just again since then i've just non-stop been playing on all the different console generations that i've been exposed to even some of the older ones for 
for many, many years. You know, I'm just turned 30 not too long ago. So I'm probably gaming over 26, 27 years nearly at this point. And it's it's been surreal because I've seen a lot when it comes to, you know, different ebbs and flows or changes within the gaming industry or just gaming as a medium, as an art form. Uh, when I really kind of decided that I wanted to get into writing or just talking about games in any sort of like, you know, fashion, uh, it, it stemmed way back. Even I would go far back as like maybe high school because I was one of those people that listens to a lot of IGN podcasts that listens and watched a lot of stuff, you know, as YouTube started to become a thing later on, you know, with uh, like game trailers and different places, a lot of the old school uh, outlets that a lot of people talk about now in, in hindsight, I was there in the trenches actually like following them as a fan, you know, including game magazines. I remember going to the to the local convenience store and getting like, you know, Game Pro or getting Tips and Tricks magazine and getting a lot of my information like that. And it was more the discussion about video games that I was more fascinated with because I had my own opinions and my own thoughts and my own perspective about gaming in, in all those different eras outside of just writing about games because I never really kind of looked at it as just specifically writing. It was more about talking about games and kind of, you know, uh, expressing myself, you know, in relation to video games later on. And that's how it, it ended up turning into me writing about games and ended up turning to me uh, doing videos about video games uh, when I, as soon as YouTube became a thing. Because I've been on YouTube now, I want to say, yeah, for just as long as I've been part of the industry, I, I've been a part of YouTube, like making videos, even ones that hardly anybody watched and stuff. And that just evolved over time until now, where not even, like, I want to say maybe about four or five years ago, uh, I had, you know, I had a lot of ambitions. I never thought it would actually get to a point where I would be able to go to a lot of bigger events like PAX East, like E3. I have a great reverence for E3 because back then I used to be one of those kids watching G4 alongside everybody else on cable TV thinking like, man, it would be awesome to go to a place like that. And then finally, when I got to do it, it was like, you know, not only a dream come true, but it was like, you know, it was it was just surreal. It was like playing it out from a movie and it was real life for me and it was awesome. And then now that's evolved even further from there. Now I've just gone on to my fifth E3, which I'm super proud about. And I've just been able to associate and interact and talk to a lot of the people that I've looked up to at this point. And obviously I want to go even further down the line. I want to go work for a major outlet and become an even more intricate part of the gaming industry or just the games media or just the discussion about video games. But it's been a real fun trip thus far. That's really cool. I, I definitely remember having the same, uh, same desire to go to E3 when, when I was a kid watching like X play. Yeah. I, Adam uh, Sessler uh, extended play uh, Morgan Webb, Adam Sessler. Morgan thank Webb, you. All I was those like, people I was like, like I remember watching Jeff Keighley on game trailers. I remember watching Jeff Keighley when he did some stuff with G4 TV and some of the other people when they were there doing the live streams. I remember coming home from school and looking for X play as it came on uh, cable TV or even just, you know, cinema tech, you know, a lot of that different stuff back then when television and gaming was kind of like coming, you know, meeting in the minds at some point, even though it didn't really work later on, but it was still that new and fresh thing that was completely different. It was something for us that was just besides the magazines, besides the kids in the playground, besides the kids and the people in the arcades it was something completely different i remember being one of those people just every single day watching that stuff and being proud and and happy to be a part of it and hoping to one day be part of that later on yeah i i, I very much remember that time because i think it was in my opinion well at least from my experience it was really formative in in the way that i kind of started to consume media and because uh, for the longest time, gaming media was 
pretty exclusively print, right? Game trailers and IGN were starting to spin up, but really, game trailers. It was, was magazines, the first... really. That... It was really magazines, and then IGN. Right. IGN obviously used to be Sega Sages. That that used to be like a real old school. That's how you'll know like who the old heads are because they'll remember stuff like Sega Sages, which was IGN until it changed its name, and they didn't have a lot of video stuff. They had more like written editorials. They had reviews, and you really went to them for cheats and tips and tricks. That was really like the purpose of a lot of those websites at the time. And you also got a lot of that other stuff from the magazines, which were much more prevalent back then because the internet was still in its infantile stages. Right. And, and I think that that was one of the best parts of being a part of the internet in like 08 and 07. Those times was like when the internet was still so infant and so young and we were still I was playing like RuneScape. I was literally playing RuneScape <laughs> as my MMO. Anybody who knows about RuneScape, you're, you're not only an old head, but you're OG. Yeah. I I never truly got into RuneScape. I know of it. I have a lot of friends who played it. I just it wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea. I ended up playing a lot of Ragnarok online and uh, here's the crazy thing on, like, too, right? Private, Check this out. Servers. Here's the crazy thing because I, I know a lot of people like some people with their families they had like their own personal computer. They had the internet and stuff, and that was really more of a luxury back then. I used to be one of those people, one of the kids that used to go to the local library, and that's where I would play on the computers that were there. You would have to sign in and get a certain amount of time, and that's where I would play RuneScape. That's where I would go to like like I say or look up things like g4tv.com you know online and stuff and that's how i would consume that media until i eventually got my own computer at home but then at some point there was that period of time where you didn't have internet so you had a computer with no internet nothing to surf the web for it was just ridiculous but it's what we had to work with back then that's also the same thing that i say with a lot of people that grew up within that console war era like a lot of the the, the people that are growing a little bit older now even some of the young kids towards the end of that era uh that were around when sega genesis and super nintendo were really a thing on the playgrounds that one of the things we used to do we used to go to other people's houses if you had one console to go play the other console and that's how we would share and experience that and that's how you get exposure to all the different platforms forms that were at the time especially even when the playstation one came out when the original playstation was out i used to do the same thing i had a friend of mine that used to live on top of a brick oven pizzeria and every time i would go to his house we'd play like tekken 2 tekken 3 crash bandicoot 2 and all the other classics and i would always associate the smell of pizza with playstation and that's how i remember that that's time. That's not a bad association. You never should let that go. I never did. And I always I talk about it every once in a while, but like that that's a thing for me because I remember that time. It's like I had that with my friend how I got exposed to the original PlayStation. I remember on like summer days towards like my middle and end parts of my high school years, going home during the summer when school was over, when you get that summer break and going back home and playing Final Fantasy X in the in the air condition. Like those are memories after you've been out in the sun and stuff that you remember that feeling. You remember those moments, you associate those emotions with that experience experience of that memory yeah now see you're making me super nostalgic and and, and that's <laughs> that's that a, real that's a that's a tricky place to be no it's great and it it really does it, it speaks to to what gaming can do and you know how and in a way how much it's it's permeated right like you look you look back eight ten years and you see that gaming has gone from something that was considered I wouldn't say so much as taboo, but just like, you know, counterculture. Uh, That's alternative. Really, it's alternative, but more counterculture because a lot of gaming right. stuff back then, especially in the 90s, towards the end of the 80s into the 90s, you know, because I was born in 88, but I still had like the fallout of the 80s into the 90s, which was really my error. And it was more associated with counterculture where it was anti authority. That's really what the 90s were like, you know, the Simpsons, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, a lot of like the, the, the tie dye slash like in living color type of feel and 
vibe that you would get from daytime TV or just, you know, primetime TV, stuff like that. That's where gaming was really more associated with because it was looked at more as like a youthful activity. It wasn't really the adults that were doing that stuff. It was like people, their type of stereotype was people going to the arcades and playing Asteroids or people playing Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter in the arcades. Right. That's what gaming was to the majority of people, especially in the public eye, which was, wasn't always like that for us that were actually part of that, you know, whole culture. Right. And I think that that's, that's fascinating. And, and right, as much as I've made those inferences and, and those observations, I'm sure that you have as well. And so, you know, kind of to bring this, you know, to take this plane and put it right back on course is, is as you grew and you understood what you wanted to do and you understood that you wanted to be a part of this you know, kind of internet uh, phenomenon where it came to, you know, distributing opinions and thoughts and write that specific industry. And, and obviously you've made it and you've, you've, you've succeeded. I don't think I would have, I would great... say I've succeeded yet. Like, I don't think I've made it just yet because the way that I, that I see the end goal or at least the big goal to stuff afterwards is that I want to be a, a much more intricate and much more dominant uh, uh, type of perspective or t individual that's within the gaming industry. Like I, I obviously want to go work for a big outlet, but I'm on course, hopefully God willing, knock on wood, right. That I'll be able to do that. <laughs> right. But what I, what I want to get at specifically is I want to talk about the, the, because you, you've made it from the point of saying, I have this dream to making that dream a reality. And I want to talk about that specifically and the steps and maybe the hardship that came with that, because I can only imagine that going from a dream and making that a reality, right? Especially when that dream is so intrinsically tied to your passion and your, your pastime is asking specifically mm -hmm. at what point, was there a point in, in you building up to the point where you are now that you first like was there a point you got to where you first were like i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i can continue to do this was there a situation that you encountered like that through your journey to you know to to writing and talking and, and producing content about video games and specifically kind of editorial about video games well, here's the thing. I don't think for anybody whatsoever, whether it's me, you, or anybody else, I don't think it's just one moment that we get that experience. I mean, people have specific big moments that that really resonate with them, but I think it's a combination of little moments scattered throughout throughout your history. And for me, I've had plenty of moments like that. I think everybody goes through that. If somebody says that they haven't, they're either one lying to you or they haven't really lived or they haven't really done enough. And the reason being is because with you know, trying to put yourself out there, trying to be a quote unquote public figure in some regard, or trying to be part of an industry where it's very opinionated. It's very based on like your critique of certain stuff, especially in art form. And for the majority of us, myself included, haven't really sat down and made a video game like that. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like the same way that you would say a film critic would critique a film, but it's never actually either been on a film set or actually made their own film. It's much more, there's a lot of parallels there. But for me, the way I look at it, it's a combination of different things. I think a lot of it now these days more than ever especially with how social media and the internet with like places like youtube have been it's a lot of getting over the intimidation of other people making it or making it work in some regard where you kind of compare yourself to them or compare yourself to other people which you really shouldn't like that but at least you know you should take example but never really compare yourself to the point where you put yourself down i think it's also uh getting over a big hump and a big kind of hurdle when it comes to social life you know loneliness a little bit because the majority of people and the majority of youtube content creators i'm pretty sure will tell you as well 
well, at least the ones I've spoken to, there's an element of that where your social life gets very impacted, where you're not constantly going out. You're not constantly part of that scene all the time. Like you're, you're able to live where you can, but you're not always like in the club for a lot of people. And that's usually now these days, especially the way society kind of like presents it to us. You got to be in the club. You got to be out there getting a car. You got to be working a job where you're making a ridiculous amount of money. It's not always like that for some of us, especially when you're trying to chase towards something bigger. That's a lot more harder to obtain that could like really change your life, really impact your life. And you're happy with it, especially over the long term, for possibly the rest of your life. You know, it's different for everybody else. But for me, Again, uh, it wasn't just one moment. It just wasn't one breakout fracturing moment. It was a combination of different things. Why don't we kind of break that down? I mean, that that was some, I would say, some great editorial <laughs> on that. Um, I, I, I do want to break that down is those, some of those moments because while I wholeheartedly agree, I do think that every person has a series of, it's kind of like a meter in my head. I call it the failure meter. And it's at what point does that failure meter fill up and break, right? You know, and, and, and maybe that's from me playing way too many video games. Um, but that that's kind of the way that I view it is I've gone through enough experiences. I've encountered enough situations in, in this specific you know realm where I've, I've hit that meter and it's broken and I say, am I going to stop or am I going to continue? Because that just means I've gotten even closer, right? I, I think in a way failure is the only way to gauge your success is because you can only, the, the only way you're truly going to learn is by making mistakes. And so I kind of want to unpack a few of those and say, you know, what are some mistakes that you feel that you made some failures, some, some situations that you walked into that may not have even been your fault per se, um, but situations that didn't go as planned that you feel that you came out on the other side and you, as much as you would have liked to not experience that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could give you like you truly grew. I could give you like three moments that I could think of that are perfect, uh, you know, examples of this that are personal to me that I'm pretty sure a lot of other people could relate to. Uh, one of which I won't get into a lot, a lot of detail, but the other two I think are a little bit more so I can, especially since so much time has passed. One of which was the time that I was originally once engaged. I was engaged a long, long time ago and my life was going to go in a very different direction, you know, because I was thinking about other things at the time. And when that engagement came to an end, you know, there was a lot of bitterness because I felt like I had been wronged in, in a very bad way, which a lot of people do, you know, they feel very similar whenever a relationship comes to an end. And for me, uh, it was really about not only kind of going into myself and really kind of like trying to repair the damage that felt I felt was done to me, but also trying to come to the understanding and really kind of learn and, and, and accept that my passion for gaming and my passion for what I love to do really had nothing to do with the other individual. I wasn't gaining that from them. It was always with me and it was always something that I was always a part of my life that's going to stick with me long beyond whatever broken relationships. Like in that regard, the the one series I can really tell you that that really I felt that way for a very long time was Legend of Zelda. It's funny enough because I just did some content on YouTube about the Legend of Zelda with Zelda Universe, you know, not too long ago. We had a fantastic discussion about the whole series. But there there was a couple years where I avoided playing those games and I avoided even talking about them because I associated with that other relationship at the time that came to an end and I was very bitter at it. It was like the easiest comparison I could put it to is like if you were dating someone or if you were getting together with someone and you had a friend that kind of brought you together like that, you know, that they somehow were responsible for it. And when that came to an end, you were mad at your friend as well because you were really hurt. 
That's the best way I could describe it. And that's how I felt about the series for a very long time. It took me at least a good two to three years to really get over that. And what really kind of clinched for me where that changed was because not only did I have other better people that were other friends and other individuals that were in my life that had a passion for that, you know, that were talking about it, that were kind of slowly reintroducing it to my life and really kind of helping me kind of come to terms about its importance like that. But then afterwards, it really came down to me just sitting down one day and taking like a day to really kind of like, you know, explore everything once again at my own pace. I think I sat down and I played Orcarina of Time. And I think I also played Majora's Mask within the span of a week. And it was where that was kind of like my reconciliation with everything. And it, it helped me kind of, you know, come to terms with my gaming passion, my gaming hobby, it's again, it's always going to stick with me for the rest of my life. But just because me and other people have similar, you know, views or perspectives or likes and dislikes about it, those are still my likes and my dislikes. And I don't necessarily have to give those up because of what are the relationship coming to an end. That was one. Uh, the other two are more professional stuff that, you know, outside of personal, which I think it's something that everybody really goes through. At some point when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to find your voice, when it comes to trying to make an impact and trying to get people to listen to you uh, with your opinions or whatever it might be in any industry, but more specifically entertainment and in the games industry, too, because we're so opinionated with what we do. And that's like such like a big crux of the content and the work that we do. For me, uh, one time, I don't know if you've been down here to Florida a lot, but we have a lot of conventions. We have a lot of different like anime and gaming conventions and hobby conventions. And one of my things that I tried to do early on in my career was to do a lot of coverage for my local scene, my local conventions. Go to like Florida Supercon, go to MizuCon, go to uh, Anime Hawaii, you know, Chibi Pop when it was originally known as that, and all these other conventions that I used to go to. And I one time, the first time I wanted to go to Supercon representing Real Taco Gamer, and I tried to do all the groundwork, tried to reach out to the right people. We had a lot of content. I was putting my name out on a lot of stuff. And I wanted to tell them, hey, I want to go to your convention. I want to cover it. I want to interview people. I want to do all this stuff. I was really trying to put in the work. And as opposed to like talking with me, as opposed to giving me a chance and stuff, the people that were running that convention, because obviously they were running a business and stuff, uh, really the owner who was running it, uh, decided to either not only just ignore me, but also kind of pacify me. Like, you know, just kind of do like little things here and there. Like as opposed to sending me like, hey, we can't accept you this year, but try again next year. We'll, we'll, we'll consider it like that. You know, we, we don't think you have enough following and stuff. We would just get like ignored. We would get like no responses and emails. We would get no return phone calls. There'd be all this thing. And then what really clinched it for me was I went to one of their smaller events before Supercon and I tried to go talk to him personally, you know, introduce myself, try to be cool and whatnot. And because of his little grouping there, because, you know, usually people that are the wrong people to like be in charge and stuff, they try to make an example of other people. They try to show everybody that they're the head person in charge, which is like a never a good thing, especially when you're first meeting someone. They tried to be or that individual tried to be really rude. And without realizing, you know, who I was and what I was doing. Uh, I remember even vividly to this day, I was with my friend at the time and he was like my camera guy, like filming me and doing all this stuff. And he, I remember being with him and talking to the, the head of that event and he checked my Alexa ranking on the website right in front of me on his phone. Like it's even though I wasn't ashamed about it because I knew I had more than enough traffic on the website at the time uh, to do so. But it was like, you know, the audacity of doing something like that is like, yo, you're really going to kind of be that way as opposed to just looking at my work, as opposed to just talking to me, seeing where I'm coming from. Like, you're really going to be that shrewd and that kind of disrespectful. It was like it was really one of those things where it was like I, I came to the realization that people aren't always going to give you the benefit of doubt 
There, there's always going to be that one or two, maybe three or four people that are always going to be a certain way. And you kind of just got to either deal with it or accept it or just move on from there. And eventually I ended up going to the event, but I also had a bad falling out with them because I just felt over time because of stuff like that, they didn't really treat people good. They treated people really wrong. And I was very open and outspoken about that. Uh, so again, it's just one of those things that I've noticed it, you know, in a couple of different places throughout the years. But as I got to more bigger events, like the E3s, like the Comic-Cons, like the PAX East, like the PlayStation Experience, I saw less and less of that and really kind of like opened up my eyes to like a much more wider industry, a wider world out there where my perspective just got a lot more bigger. And I came to understand is like, not everybody's like that. So I don't have to deal with stuff and I don't have to accept stuff as, as easily as I had to back then. And then the final yeah. thing, and the final thing really, oh. no, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, I kind of want to just unpack really quick is because you, you talked about he, he, um, the guy opened up and, and searched directly for, I, I would, you said your Alexa ranking, which is like which your I numbers would be your, your traffic, and right? Stuff. Your, yeah. Yeah. Your web traffic rankings. Um, I mean, how did you react in that moment? Like how, and I'm not saying like, hey, did you cuss the person out? No, well, not so much that. Like, no, how did that feel that. emotionally? Like, because was... I can only imagine like to be there and to be like, I'm trying to like be I'm a trying professional to help you out here. <laughs> yeah, like, right. That, like, that's I'm how trying I to felt. Be a professional uh, originally, here. originally at first, like seeing it happen on there and him being so blunt, but I was like, really, fam? Like, like this is what we're gonna do right here. And, and the thing was, is it wasn't me that was like so offended, even though I had every right to be. It was more my friend also because my friends on the outside looking at this, he's like, really? Like, this is what this guy is gonna be like? Like, he's seen us at a bunch of events because at that time I had already gone to like a bunch of local conventions doing what I do and what I was trying to do at his event, including that one and it was just very very rude and it was like one of those things where you don't want to be that guy or that person that's like super rude when somebody's clearly being rude to you especially when you got people around you but you also are like listen I'm trying to play ball with you I'm trying to work with you here because I actually think like talking about your stuff and actually showing people what you have to offer and stuff I think is good for the field I think it's good for everybody else and especially also good for your business that's how I was kind of coming at it from but in his case at least that individual and probably even to this still to this day uh they look at more like numbers which I understand it's a, it's a business that's part of it but there's a lack of empathy and there's also a pompousness that I think that comes along with it that really kills a lot of the potential for collaboration that also kills the potential for fun for a lot of people and just really kind of you know repels a lot of other individuals that would otherwise want to actually be a part of the whole scene and be a part of the whole experience yeah I, I can only imagine yeah sorry I didn't want to interrupt but I felt like that was a yeah was a good thing yeah, it's all good. to unpack yeah, and, so, and the final thing I, continue. the final thing I could say that that's kind of very similar to it, and I've never really talked about this story publicly, but I it, now I feel like it's more than past time to actually discuss it because I think there's a teachable moment in it. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the fighting game community. I don't know if you know a lot about the Nintendo slash YouTube content creator community and stuff, but. To kind of give everybody a little backstory and stuff, there's a guy named uh, Triforce. Triforce, uh, he, he used to run, I guess you could say, Empire Arcadia. That that used to be very big in the the fighting game community and stuff. He was part of that whole documentary called King of Chinatown with Justin Wong. Uh, funny enough, I, oh, I've okay, yeah, I, I've interviewed Justin Wong for one of my shows and stuff. And we talked a little bit about this, you know, behind the scenes and such. But the guy that I'm talking about is a guy named Triforce. He walks around with a power glove every once in a while. And in back, I want to say a couple years ago, 
I actually wanted to invite him onto one of my shows on YouTube, you know, and also on the website for the coalition to talk to me about building communities, to build, you know, uh, people that are coming together and actually making something happen. I felt like that was a cool discussion to have. And I think that as someone that has done stuff that has ran an organization who also has a Guinness Book of World Record, I think that it would be a good conversation to have with somebody like that. I was trying to be, and I still am to some extent, trying to be like the Angie Martinez of the games industry or like the Torre or like the Sway of the games industry where my my show or my interview podcast segments will be like, you know, stuff that people really want to listen to because I'm talking and having great conversations with dope people, with really cool people. And also because my show would just be dope for people to listen to. So it'd be, it'd really be a benefit for different individuals to come onto it. That's at least the, the position I was trying to come from. That's, it might sound arrogant, like saying that a little bit, but I'm trying to have more great, fun conversations with people that I could give to the audience. And I think that that's where I was coming from. So I felt- We're trying to diversify your audience. Well, not just diversify my options, but also just give people something more awesome to listen to. Because I already had a bunch of cool individuals on my show prior to that. People that were much bigger than him and probably did a lot more crazier stuff that gave me the time of day to do so. But you'll understand why in just a second. But basically... I, I approached him for that. We got in touch over Discord and stuff, and I tried to offer that. And as opposed to just telling me no, you know, by turning me down and saying like, hey, I'm too busy. I can't do something like this here and there. You know, I, I would have been totally fine with that. Instead, the guy proceeds to go on a, a miniature like, you know, monologue, basically throwing his accomplishments in my face, you know, because I didn't have uh, thousands upon thousands of subscribers because I wasn't working for a major outlet and stuff. He felt that he could talk down to me in a certain way, which is not cool for anybody. You shouldn't be talking down to anybody whatsoever unless they really kind of like disrespect you. And I obviously wasn't being disrespectful. I wanted to invite him onto my show to come talk games with me, to talk about building communities with me. And he proceeded to talk down to me until a point where I, eventually I stopped him. I'm like, yo, uh, that's not cool because you're kind of just throwing your stuff in my face. And while I think it's cool, you're doing your own thing. I don't appreciate being talked down to like that. Like I'm trying to actually make something awesome, uh, together with you in order to give to the people. And one of the things that I remember that he came out and said to me was that, uh, what I was doing was a waste of time. And I was like, Oh really? Like, so let me get this straight building something that's really awesome and bringing people together and giving something to the audience on YouTube, however many people that listen to it, something to really take out of and get food for thought of, you know, that's really a waste of time to you. Like that, this is what we're doing right now. And that's how he came off. And he ended obviously afterwards proceeded to be very rude and very disrespectful, quote unquote, in the way that he was saying, like, basically, uh, this is what I do. This is what I've done. This is who I interact with. Uh, welcome to the real world. I'm like, son, I've been part of the real world for many years and like I know giants, you know, I call them giants and I don't mean that as a disrespectful way, but people who have done a lot in the gaming industry for gaming that don't act that way, that have done far more significant things that would give someone like me or anybody else even less than me the time of day. Because they understand like, oh, doing stuff like this puts out a lot of positivity into the world, into the games industry. And unfortunately for him, he didn't see it that way. We had a very bad falling out. And I was very vocal about that, you know, without naming names at the time, but up until now, even where I talked about it with a couple other people. And I was like, I can't understand why so many people 
that would do something that that would achieve some sort of success and like get a lot of notoriety and clout would have that type of attitude, especially someone that's in the Guinness book of world records. Like you should not only want to be more relevant with interacting with different people, which is cool, big or small, but you should also understand that you were once in that position where you didn't have anything, where you didn't do anything, where people, you know, didn't know your name, didn't care about what you do, but that's the type of attitude you're going to have. It's like the, the Rocky three mentality where Rocky three, uh, Rocky gets a little bit too bigs on his bridges and he gets caught up on his hype and he gets knocked down by uh what is it mr t <laughs> like you know it's it's a really funny parallel and stuff but i've always you know ever since that moment you know it's tied all back around to all three things i always felt a need to not only lead by example for other people that want to get into gaming that, that are probably in the same boat as me to kind of you know represent gamers and represent gaming and represent the hobby and the medium with a lot of dignity with a lot of integrity with a lot of humbleness and also constantly try to put an effort out to put more positive stuff out there because with all the negative stuff that we get from the outside world we don't even need more negative stuff coming from ourselves and i felt like that was important to me for the longest time and those three stories really kind of you know really kind of put things in perspective for me throughout the years i think that that's a i think that that's an an important thing to understand and i think that that's an important thing to understand and to know how to navigate for any industry be it video games be it uh specifically um any type of industries because i think that you're always going to enter situations in life where you're gonna try to talk to someone who you feel like you know, you might be slightly higher on the pedestal than I am, but you were where I was at one point, and I'm just either trying to ask for help, trying to, you know, share some advice that I found because I've been in this position more recently than you have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that the information that you've shared just now is so is going to be so helpful for people i would i would actually add something more to it okay even going going off of what you just said right now i don't look at it as that way i don't look at it as me being higher on the totem pole than somebody else which is what i feel like is a big problem now with a lot of youtube content creators with a lot of other games media people that have real jobs that are actually getting paid by larger outlets where they have this this condescending attitude towards not just the readers and their audience, which I think is wrong, but also to other people that are in the same type of race or in the same type of uh, circumstances that they were once in or that they're in now. And I think that's kind of messed up to feel that way, to act that way, because there have been times where I've wanted to work and do stuff with a lot of other content creators that, you know, some big, some small and stuff. And because of that attitude, it ends up falling through, which I don't think is cool. And especially for the larger creators, I always feel like they should know better. They should be a little bit more humbled and they should have a better understanding. Like, listen, you didn't once have that. You didn't once, you know, have all these people that were rallying behind you. There's no need to kind of, you know, act so pompous in that regard. And I think that that's more destructive to the games industry and the, and the medium and, and the discussion uh, and, and kind of like, you know, fun nature of being part of gaming uh, than it actually needs to be. It's just there's so many people that are going to do that. They get away with it and everybody else is just okay with it and nobody really speaks out about it. I see that with so many creators. I was actually having a talk about this with a close friend of mine not so long ago about this where you know recently in the news there's been so many youtube creators especially youtube creators that are gamers that that's part of their brand of stuff wiling out and doing like the most ridiculous things and really kind of you know doing things for attention rather than the actual positivity and the advancement of our gaming culture i always have a real problem with that and it's just like i don't see a lot of those larger creators most of the time actually doing enough 
No, and I think what I was trying to insinuate is that more that you were the person that were on the totem pole to say that we, we've all had situations where we try to go to someone to either ask for advice or or give advice in some sort from the perspective that we have where they may have more of a sense of power, right? This is- Or privilege, specific, really. Really, it's right, really more privilege pri- and kind of like, again, right. just attitude and just, uh, again, just, just I, I would say it's more privilege. That, that's the best word to put it. Yeah, and I think that more so, what I'm trying to state is just the the ability to navigate through that and to understand that that's just a nature of, you know, kind of life in general is you're going to have to learn how to walk through those situations. Um, and I think that that's a really good story to share, and I appreciate it. Um, so kind of to, to kind of wind down and, and close this out and really move forward and you know, wrap this up with a bow. What I want to ask is simply, you know, for you looking at it now and looking back, would you say that, and I think that the definitive answer is going to be yes, but with these, you know, blips and blips and bumps and, you know, kind of areas where things didn't go exactly as planned, would you say that you would, if you went back in time to encounter those situations, would you change anything about them or would you leave them as they were? I think that you I, honestly, you stronger. I think anybody with the ability to do so with having knowledge, you know, of later on and from the future going back, obviously there would be things that you would do differently. I don't think that anybody would realistically believe that they wouldn't do so. And if anybody says that they're kind of lying because anybody, if they had things, the ability to make things better from a past trauma or bad experiences that they had, they would ultimately do so. Uh, Do I think that you should harp on it or should anybody should harp on it? No, because it's happened or things have happened and then you move on from there it's one thing to talk about it now in this kind of like setting in this kind of way but like you don't let it like linger over you like a dark cloud you don't let it like dictate a lot of your actions that you do later on you know especially when it's heavily influenced you know from something that's like traumatic or anything of that sort but i do think that they were experiences that taught me a lot and that they were things that really instructed me and helped me have a greater appreciation and understanding and knowledge and perspective of what i want to do in this industry like obviously you know with all the stuff we were just talking about now i have a much more humbler attitude and better perspective than a lot of the other people I've kind of come through, you know, or come into contact with, you know, that weren't so nice like that, you know, some of these stories I was telling, but also it really kind of makes me ambitious because I want to get to that point where it's, I'm large enough to not only set a better example for people that are going to come after me, you know, whether it's now, whether it's in the future or long after I'm gone. Like one of my biggest goals is that when I'm gone, I want, you know, people to remember my name and remember my, you know, the type of life that I lived and the influence that I had on people when it comes to the, the association with gaming. I want, you know, my my actions or my example and my presence here to influence gaming in a way that people will remember for a very long time. I want it to be a positive thing. I don't want it to be negative. I don't want to be like on drama alert and he was like that guy like wiling out or something like that. You know, something crazy along that nation. I don't want that. I actually want it to be kind of like in a positive way. I like, I want to be, to use a music reference, I think that's a perfect way to encompass it. I want to be less like the Migos. I want to be less like Takashi 69 and I want to have my influence and my impact on gaming in the same way that like a Dr. Dre or a Jay-Z has on their respective industries where people, you know, look at what they've done, take example for what they've done and try to do things even better long after they're gone. No, I, I think that that's a great way to 
to to kind of sum that up and, and i think that that was a great answer to that question because i i think you're right right go back in time you encounter a traumatic experience you're like mm, we're gonna we're gonna change some stuff here that's not good um but i think that i i i like your answer a lot and i think it's something that i feel people could really take forward um i have one last question for you sure. and that is simply you know it's uh someone who stumbles over this podcast hello by the way uh subscribe enjoy uh <laughs> I I'd want to ask can you, uh, is there any advice that you would share to someone who's starting out and then maybe advice for someone who's in the thick of it right so like a lot of times we have advice for people who are starting out which I, I definitely want want someone who's experienced to give and then there are people who feel like you know they've reached that first hurdle they've gotten their start they're they're creating that weekly content they're creating that scheduled content right that's the key um, and that might be one of the things you say. So my apologies. Uh, but what what kind of advice could you give also to someone who's in the thick of it, who's doing it week in and week out, but doesn't see that kind of that number grow? And I know that f- that could be demoralizing to an extent. So I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm even in that now with the you know the regards to not just my YouTube channel, but even my professional career, like trying to get hired by major websites. So I, there's a lot of parallels there in a lot of ways that you I could kind of relate to the person that wants to start getting into this type of stuff. It's just simply to just do it. Like I know that Greg Miller and a lot of the other kind of funny guys have said that many times, but it's totally true. Like you just got to simply just sit down or just like make the time to actually do this stuff and not be intimidated by what's already out there, what you're looking at, what you're seeing, whether it's good or bad, positive or negative. You just got to simply do it and approach it from your way. Like there's a Bruce Lee quote that, that a lot of people listen to and, and and say they don't really understand. You got to adapt what's useful and reject what's useless. Like if there's certain things that you like about gaming and certain things that you don't, kind of do what you can to kind of like put everything together in your way and then just put it out there. Put yourself on camera. Put yourself on a podcast. Write something up. Even if it's bad at first, things could always change and get better over time, especially if you go to other people. Like don't be afraid to do any of that stuff. Don't be afraid to also ask for advice and ask for help, which I think a lot of people all also, they have a lot of pride in and they have a lot of, you know, worry where they they just don't like the negative feedback. So they kind of keep things internalized and stuff. That's never good. You have to be willing to kind of just put yourself out there and kind of like dive headfirst into all of it. You're not going to learn how to swim if you don't get in the water. Like plain and simple. That's just a fact of life in all types of things. To the person like me who's already in it, I think that a lot of it, whether you have a large following, whether you have a small following, whether you're trying to get a following or whatever it is that you're trying to do in the games industry or any other industry, you have to learn not to be judgmental. You have to have an open mind to work with all types of people and you have to be willing to put yourself out there to do different types of work with all types of people, not just the big dogs and not just the people that have a far outreach already in hopes of kind of like elevating yourself. Because at the end of the day and at the end of time, when you really think about it, the ones that are really going to be special and the ones that are really going to have a significant impact and really quote unquote success or be successful are the ones that did a lot of positive stuff that people are going to remember, even when they weren't really popping like that. Because when you really think about it again to use another music reference to kind of relate everything together people at some point didn't know who michael jackson was people at some point didn't know who tupac shakur was people at some point didn't know who madonna was or jay-z was but at least they went out there and they did a bunch of stuff they did a lot of work they worked with a variety of different people and they ended up being probably the greatest individuals of their own respective industries or their own respective sides of the industries out there you know we revere michael jackson as being the king of pop the king of r&b and soul and all this different stuff but at some point there was a time before off the wall and before thriller you know what i'm saying like and you know he didn't get to that point 
doing this different stuff by being pompous and being closed-minded and only working with those that were already above him is what I'm saying. So no matter where you're at, if you're in the thick of things, have the open mind to have the willingness and desire and the drive to go out and do even more and actually put more positive stuff out there because that's at least what I like to do. That's what I at least I try to do every day and all the stuff that I try to put out there. That's allowed me a lot of good moments to kind of interact and work together and collaborate with a lot of good people. And hopefully that stuff, even if it's not popping now, will someday one day be popping at some point. I think that that is some tremendous advice and thank you for that. I, I no think that, that was phenomenal. Um, and I think honestly, that is a great place to end this. Um, so Jake James, thank you so much for joining no us. Problem, man. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day. Uh, Jake, where can people find you? You can find me in a bunch of different places. First and foremost, I'm on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash gamers with games channel, or you could just search Jake James Lugo in the search bar has my picture, has my name on there. I do videos every single week. I try to upload it like every Tuesday or Wednesday, a new, uh, video review. That's highly edited, highly produced something that I feel like everybody would really enjoy. You can also follow me on Twitter at venomous fat man one on Twitter again, or just search Jake James Lugo in the search bar. You'll see me on there. There's a picture of me. Follow me on Twitter. If you guys can subscribe to my YouTube channel if you guys can also i'm on the coalition.com again i'm the senior editor over there i'm constantly all the time putting up brand new reviews written uh editorials op-eds i'm doing interviews on my tk spotlight show that's also on itunes with a bunch of different cool people from throughout the video game industry and various corners of the internet i'm on there and i'm also on instagram uh, at gamers with gains where you can just follow me on there again search for jake james lugo and you'll see me on there i'm in a whole bunch of different places giving you guys a lot of great content a lot of good stuff to hopefully enjoy and pass around but show some love, show some support. And I, I also shouldn't forget too, because I almost forgot it for, for a second. I'm also on Patreon. Again, if you guys can, I, any one of the tiers on Patreon, I'm putting exclusive content, a lot of other great stuff there for everybody to enjoy. I usually put like early access to a lot of my content. So like some people get it like a week or two weeks early for like a dollar. So you get like brand new podcasts or probably some of the best discussions you're going to hear on the internet about games. You get it a whole week early or so uh, before anybody else. And also exclusive other stuff that you're only going to find on my Patreon page. Again, just search jake james lugo and it's right there for you so you guys can check it out and all this stuff is linked together by the way so there's a lot of different places and a lot of different things for y'all to check out hopefully you enjoy and there will be links in the description of this podcast um and on the twitter uh, and on my twitter uh well thank you jake um it's been an honor this has been tremendous it's a pleasure appreciate uh, it yeah thank you have a great day Thank you for tuning in this week. Superb Owl releases every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on all major podcast networks, except for Apple. We're still working on that.